listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, proudly covering the Arizona Cardinals as a member of the SB Nation podcast network. If you love our content, please don't forget to subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and be sure to share us with a friend. Thanks so much. Hello, hello, and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. Uh, I'm the host of the Bird Gang. <laughs> you almost said Bird Gang Blitz. I was going to try to not do that, but we are the Revenge of the Birds podcast, home to all of the Bird Gang listeners out there. Thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Blake at Blake Murphy 7 on Twitter. Joined as always by my co-host, um, the uh, I guess you can't really say Little John because uh, <laughs> that's a rapper, definitely not here. We're joined by Johnny Touchdown, John, the Venerable John Venerable. John, uh, how are you doing this evening as we set to record during the dead period of the offseason? There is very little NFL news happening as we speak. Well, you, I'm te- I could be Little John, I guess. I'm only five... I like to tell people I'm five seven. I'm I am five six and a half oh, theoretically. Wow. So so I am not I'm not very big. Um, but so that's why you know Kyler Murray and I are kind of Kendrick spirits at this point. Even though <laughs> I, was, I was a Josh Rosen guy at heart, but you know there's something about another fellow short guy. Although he's only NFL short, he's not real life short like I am. I'm doing well, Blake. It's yeah, we're in a little bit of a dead period, but it's also and we'll talk about this. It's also that period of time where you could see a couple moves from Steve Keim as we get into the latter part of June, early part of July, where this team, once they take the field, and Keim has a better chance to assess his product with pads on, I think we could still see maybe one or two additions to this Cardinal team that, that's not really being discussed. I'm looking at the offensive line, maybe at the defensive line, maybe in the secondary. But, you know, we've seen marquee names for the Arizona Cardinals in the past sign in July. So keep your eye out for a couple guys right now. Um, You know, John Abraham, I believe, was once signed in July, as was Eric Winston, both focal points for the Arizona Cardinals. Abraham went on to make the Pro Bowl. So uh, it may be a dead period right now, but that could change with one signing. That it could. We also have some big news uh, regarding John that we'll get to, but uh, just kind of a tease. We'll touch that on the end. So if you want to listen and hear what that announcement is, um, do stick around. We hope you listen to the show here. Uh, what I do want to jump into, at least that you talked about, John, was uh, with the offensive line with the depth, we've entered into the uh, the rest and relaxation point for the Arizona Cardinals. Whenever you're going through the year, you have to have vacation time. You have to have time off to think, and that's usually always during this period. I took a quick look uh, at the transaction wire just for out of curiosity to see just how many moves teams actually made during this period. And from like, I want to say from like June 27th to July 10th, there was literally no news in 2018 except for one player retired. So this is the point where there's hardly any big news. There's usually contract extensions that happen. Um, Sometimes a lot of teams will wait into camp. Maybe if there's a guy who, finally says, all right, you know what, I'm getting ANC. Let's get into camp just before we get there. You'll see some of that news. Um, the big thing, obviously, during the time off is this is kind of the, ca- the case where some people can, you know, get into trouble, but uh, that's where we, uh, you know, you cross your fingers each year. Uh, what I do want to talk about, at least, is just kind of summing up the biggest takeaways that we have from minicamp. The Cardinals wrapped up their two-day, even though there's three-day scheduled. Cliff Kingsbury kind of adopted the NFL tradition of taking the last day off of camp, letting the guys go and either get a breather. Um, We haven't heard if there was a team activity they went to. I I can assure you it probably wasn't as intense as the uh, New England Patriots and Bill Belichick going paintballing and uh, hitting one of his players in the, in the head. So that's a, uh, that one of the be really interesting to see at least just how accurate some of those players are uh, <laughs> the Cardinals but I do at least want to go John and talk a bit about just the biggest topics that we have what the news we're hearing coming out of minicamp what the biggest trends and stories are um, I do want to start ultimately with not Kyler Murray as some would expect but with the cornerback situation for the Arizona Cardinals we had looked and had thought that maybe a guy like a David Amerson would be considered to replace Patrick Peterson at least for the first six games. He was released last Thursday. You've got guys like Tremaine Brock is left. Obviously, they signed Robert Alford. Um, There's been some news that they kind of like Chris Jones, who came out into the team last year. Uh, It ultimately says a lot about how Byron Murphy has looked. It seems like he, once he kind of moved into the nickel cornerback role, he got to lock that down, which is 
great news for the Arizona Cardinals if that's the case. But do you think that this is a cornerback position that is going to get figured out, John? Are we going to be looking at another signing here for the Cardinals? Or what are kind of some of your thoughts here? Because right now with Emerson being cut, it was a bit of surprise to a lot of Cardinals fans, even people like you and me had questions about it. Yeah, absolutely, Blake. It's initially on paper before the Peterson suspension, uh, you could make an argument that the secondary and the depth that they had created at corner was probably one of the biggest strengths on the roster. And now with the Peterson suspension, um, that has thrown uh, a big-time wrench into what we thought was going to be a position of strength. And, yeah, you mentioned it, Blake, you know, the David Emerson release, um, you wouldn't think would come at this point. He's a veteran. You would have thought you'd let some things play out in the preseason. They still have not, as of tonight, we're recording on the 17th, replaced him on the roster they're at 89 they could potentially add another and folks are speculating that could be defensive end Andre Branch but we'll get to that so yeah you look at a secondary now with a lot of uh, you know unproven players you mentioned Byron Murphy um, being kind of the standout at this point Robert Alford is kind of your de facto number one corner uh, got a nice contract in the offseason and I was really excited for that acquisition um, just based on his experience, I think he's got a lot of similarities in his game to former Cardinal Gerard Powers. I think they were both at similar positions in their career when they joined the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and so I thought that was a perfect compliment to Peterson. Then you throw Murphy in the mix and you're like, yeah, this is a position of strength. Maybe mixing a, l- a little Buda Baker. Um, and so, yeah, they're at the point now I think well, they'll be selective, Blake. Uh, they, of course, have the number one claim option throughout the duration of the preseason. So I would not be surprised at all if they added another veteran. Uh, but it is, it is interesting. We, we've, we've read how much not only the Cardinals like Byron Murphy, but there was, I believe, some news that came out last week that the New York Jets were potentially going to trade up for Byron Murphy had the Cardinals passed at pick 33. Um, they, there was an article, by, I believe, by fans cited that the Titans and the Jets were working on a deal that would allow them to jump up for Byron Murphy had the Cardinals passed. So he was a hot commodity on two, day two. We knew that. Certainly, you could make an argument the best player available. And, yeah, like, like you mentioned, Blake, he's been a standout so far in camp. I initially uh, – he's going to initially be that slot receiver. Robert Alford signed what really equates – it was a three-year deal, but it equates to basically a two-year deal. At some point, I think Byron Murphy is going to slide outside. That could coincide nicely with Peterson's expiring deal, not this year, but the end of next year. And you would hope by 2021 that Murphy is – one of your starters on the outside, certainly you're not drafting. I don't like the idea of drafting the nickel corner at, at 33 overall. I eventually think, especially with his size, he's going to be great on the outside um, once he, you know, re- refines his technique. But, you know, as for 2019, and that's what we're focusing on, you know, I think the Cardinals are in a position where they can be selective, but there is a little bit of sense of urgency now. And maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they know that a certain player from another team is going to be released that they like. Maybe they're working guys out or they're planning to work guys out during this during this time period. I looked over the the free agent cornerback list and it's it's not great. You know, teams play four or five corners in, in, a, in a given game. So a lot of those guys got snatched up quickly. Um, so I, I think they're in a position now where they're going to be selective but semi-aggressive over the course of probably the next six to eight weeks. Uh, they're going to obviously see how training camp transpires. And who knows, maybe there's a Tony Jefferson in that group. You mentioned Chris Jones, who they liked at the tail end of last season, that essentially comes out of nowhere and carves out a nice role for himself. But in terms of, you know, guys who have who are established within this league, it's basically Robert Alford, Alford and a lot of question marks. And um, that just goes to show you how much the Cardinals are going to lean on the front seven to hopefully make an impact and take some pressure off that defensive backfield. Yeah, and it's interesting because we'll see how long the – Byron Murphy at nickel will end up working because as we do know, given the history with Vance Joseph, Chris Harris in in effect is a combination nickel slash outside corner in some cases where he plays all over the formation. They use him similarly to how the Cardinals have used Patrick Peterson in the past where he's, you know, one of the highest paid best corners in the game. That's the comp that they see for him. Then maybe it's not bad to have him man the slot if that's the case where you can you know, blitz him off like they did the Honey Badger at times, if that's the case. Um, I think that it's at least encouraging that the Cardinals are looking to 
um, the new into youth. And it, it doesn't make sense. If you have a need for a veteran, you go out and you can sign a veteran around camp time. They still have enough money left at least for that. Um, if you need a, if you got a young guy though, continue to play the young guy, see where he goes, see if he can carve out a role. I do like the uh, Andre Branch option that you did bring up. It does seem to make a lot of sense for the Cardinals and looking at their defensive line. And um, it's interesting when you're looking at the biggest camp takeaways. I got the uh, Darren Urban had a great article. He wrote about it with the top camp takeaways here. The biggest thing that I saw that he didn't mention was he did not say anything at all about the defensive line, which you'd be normally surprised about because when you consider last year, we had a linebacker issue with the Arizona Cardinals where we just were like, is Dayon going to play? He's, you know, was not even starting the season. Hassan Reddick, there were all sorts of question marks about him. Wasn't even one of the biggest takeaways from the offseason. It seems like that they're set with where they are with Reddick and with Hicks at linebacker. We've got a couple of depth guys they've brought in. We'll see how they play. But the defensive line definitely, despite the fact that the Cardinals were last against the run last year, seems like that that's got maybe the least amount of question marks on the team right now, which for me I think is awesome in that sense. I do think if you do add an Andre Branch, I don't think it's expected at this point. We haven't heard the news. Maybe it's something where they bring him in, they work him out, and then after the vacation that everyone gets back, there's something maybe didn't like what they saw. But it does feel like the defensive line is pretty set going into camp. It's not really as much of a concern. Uh, the offensive line, on the other hand, that is something that is going to be a, a question for this team. We did see last year that a lot of the players got injured. Some of that, I think, is due to poor luck. You got to see the one safety valve that the Cardinals had used for the last number of years, at least, um, got injured, which that's usually always a bummer when you've got guys who you know are stalwart. The biggest one that came out, obviously, was their standouts uh, I guess you'd say standout maybe is a little uh, strong but stalwart center HQ Shipley who was at the uh, very first I believe like practice of uh, the red the red white practice and one of the first practices of training camp goes down to injury um, is out for the year the torn ACL is battling back so that's something that was the first step that happened with the Cardinals is you automatically were down one guy uh, the next thing that you looked at with the team was that, you know, they lost their uh, one of their left tackles that they had at least with um, John Wetzel went to IR, and he was kind of your swing tackle, your, your swing guard. He played anywhere from four positions on the offensive line. So you kind of had your two iron men that you had for the team went down. And it ended up turning into Justin Pugh hitting IR. You had Mike Yapati went to IR. You really ended up having only Mason Cole for the most part as your standard guy. So John – we talked a little bit about what the signing of Desmond Harrison last week. Um, we know at least from some of the, uh, the Cardinals that what we've heard is that um, Russ Odiambo at least has been kind of splitting a few reps with DJ Humphreys. We know Humphreys is kind of coming off of a knee. It seems like it was a knee scope is what it sounds like for the most part. What are your thoughts at least with the offensive line? Do you think that the Cardinals right now, I mean, the, just their roster, when you take a look at, how many guys that they actually have on the offensive line in their roster. It's kind of insane. Do you think that this is something we'll get to watch in the camp as far as an addition? And what do you think that the two biggest battles, what would you project for the outcomes right now? I think that you're looking at Mason Cole versus AQ Shipley. The guards seem to be set at least at starter. Your right tackle is obviously set at Marcus Gilbert. And then with DJ Humphreys and Russ Odiombo, I think that if healthy, you know, and you always got to say that with DJ Humphreys. I think that he's still the more talented player there. So then you're looking at a Desmond Harrison versus last year's uh, guy who started the end of the year and Corey Cunningham. How do you kind of see those two battles and the rest of the offensive line playing out as we head into training camp? Yeah, I, I'm looking at this offensive line based on last year's projection. And, you know, honestly, Blake, I think it's, slightly improved I, I don't think it's, it's any worse than a year ago and I think that the position that has the most upside in my opinion not for the next three to five years but just for 2019 is if Marcus Gilbert can get back to the kind of player he was in Pittsburgh or only about 90 percent of that player the Cardinals are going to be in good shape at right tackle he he is a known commodity in this league if he's healthy you know, he had a suspension in the past. If he can play 14 games, 14 to 15 games, he doesn't have to play all 16, but if he can play 14 games, the Cardinals are going to be in great shape at right tackle. The left tackle is a different story. DJ Humphreys, again, I bang on this every week. He cannot be counted on. He has never played a full season. 
I think he averages about seven games a season. That's, you know, taken into account. He didn't play at all as a rookie, wasn't ready in 2015. And he's, he's rehabbing yet another injury. Desmond Harrison will compete for the starting job. I think, I think Humphreys will get the first crack at it. I think that when we kick off the preseason, assuming he can suit up and he's healthy, he will be the starting left tackle. But again, he's got to perform. So new coaching staff, it's not promised anything. I'm sure Steve Keim has let Kingsbury know. We picked up this guy's fifth-year option. We're certainly not married to him. Play the best player at left tackle, whether that's Humphreys or Desmond Harrison or Corey Cunningham. What if he balls out in camp? So I, I actually like the options at tackle much more than I did a year ago when you were kind of grasping at straws at right tackle when you were starting the likes of Andre Smith. That was a horrifying scenario for Josh Rosen. Humphreys was inconsistent and hurt. I think the Cardinals are in much better shape at the tackle positions, even if Humphreys goes down. Now, if Humphreys and Gilbert go down, then you're in some trouble. But again, I think even with the acquisition of Desmond Harrison, if, if a quality tackle hits, hits the, you know, the waiver wire for whatever reason, or if, it's, if you know, what, a veteran is released, I still think the Cardinals would be wise to look at a, a veteran option um, and fled that position. Now, a veteran's going to want to come in and, and start right away or, or be guaranteed a playing time. But I, I think that, you know, if, if any quality lineman, I, the Desmond Harrison thing, we talked about it last time, that's such a unique opportunity to get a guy who started last year, played okay, play, you know, undrafted guy, making no money. You get, that's, a base, that's a gift for the Cardinals. And so I'm excited about his addition, even if he becomes just the swing tackle. The interior offensive line, it is what it is at this point. It's the group that needs to be upgraded next offseason the most. You mentioned A.Q. Shipley battling out for Mason with Mason Cole. If Mason Cole loses out to A.Q. Shipley, who's well into his 30s at this point, coming off major injury, after Mason Cole, you know, he didn't play particularly well, but he started all 16 games last season. He was a four-year starter, played multiple, multiple positions at the University of Michigan. If he gets beat out by A.Q. Shipley, that's an Evan Bain scenario all over again. That's another detriment on Steve Kimes' inability to draft offensive linemen. That is, that is the most important position Steve Kimes got to nail in this preseason in terms of a, a, a player he's drafted mm-hmm. outside of Hassan Reddick on offense, a player he's drafted uh, not necessarily this past offseason, but last year, year before, that needs to come and, and contribute. I know Cole was only a third-round pick, but goodness, that would mean that only D.J. Humphreys is the only – self-grown, you know, started the Cardinals have, and he's not even guaranteed at this point. So right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and hope and, and pray and project that Mason Cole is able to hold down the center spot from AQ Shipley. The two guard positions, you could take them or leave them for me. Justin Pugh, he's, a, he's slightly above average at guard when he's healthy, but when is that ever? The, the biggest thing for me, Justin Pugh, can you just stay on the field for more than 12 games for some continuity? That's the, that was the hardest part for me to watch last year, not only Rosen getting his brains beat in, but Mason Cole, just the consistent chaos around him. I think he's got to be given some, cre- some due credit for that based on the fact that, you know, you're, you're a rookie center starting in the NFL. You're going to lean on your right and left tackle for protection schemes and you'll check with me, that kind of thing. He didn't have any consistency. So it's like Justin Pugh, you've been active on social media. You're super talkative. You're talking up everybody. Just play and be healthy. You only have to play great. I know it's crazy to say. And then I think the position that the Cardinals will look to upgrade in the preseason, in the, in the offseason, in the next month or so, that it's wide open is left guard. J.R. Sweezy is a replacement-level player. Max Garcia is a spot starter if you need him. He's got some continuity with the Cardinals offensive line coach coming from the Denver Broncos. But I think that position is wide open. If, if they can find a solid player to come in and, and contribute at left guard, I think that's the position to look for. I think the, the, the four other positions, basically, the, the guys who are going to be starting are on the roster, but you could see an upgrade potentially at left guard um, come within the next six to eight weeks, I think so. So that, that's, that's hmm. kind of my outlook. But again, my, my two standouts right now, I'm crossing my fingers, are for Mason Cole and Marcus Gilbert. And, you know, next offseason – if you if those two guys are consistent, you you feel comfortable moving forward with the both of them, then add another starter. It it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. You know, little nuances, little additions here or there. We saw the Cardinals go from a terrible offensive line in 2012 
made small improvements in 2013. They got Jared Valdir in 2014. Mike, Mike Ayupati came in 2015. I know he only had one good year, but he did make the Pro Bowl. Little, little nuances like that. Bobby Massey developed over time. So it, it's, it's not something that can be done today, right now. But I think over the course of the next 12 to 18 months, it could look much better. And Kyler Murray's mobility, Blake, I mean, let's face it, that, that'll help a lot. Yeah, it's interesting looking at Justin Pugh because the contract the Cardinals gave him when you're looking at it for – it was a five-year deal that they had. And when you're looking at it, they moved the guaranteed money not really into the first two years, but effectively into the first three. So that's the one thing is if Justin Pugh, you know, is not able to stand up or doesn't play as well as you like, then the Cardinals effectively like might be married to him through the 2020 season. That's going to be a big question mark with Steve Kime. Now, the big thing is if he does come back, plays well, plays healthy, then you start to look at that saying, okay, so now you've got one down year in 2018, one improved hopefully year in 2019. Then you get to look at 2020 as basically being kind of the key focal point year. Uh, I think with Mason Cole, maybe there'd be some questions. My biggest question with him would ultimately fall on to if he's going to end up starting to get some reps over at center and at guard, I know we've talked about with Lamont Galliard, the Cardinals drafted a safety out of Georgia in the sixth round. He probably is a guy who could have gone as easily as high as the fourth, maybe end up looking at guard as being a potential one. And some people, you know, saw the shift from center to guard and were concerned. My biggest thing was if this turns into a, like even compared Evan Bame type situation, that would be maybe your worst case scenario. The potential best-case scenario that I could see, however, would be if you take a look at the Cardinals in 2012, they started Bobby Massey pretty much the whole season. They had uh, injuries that happened at right tackle. Bobby Massey slid in, didn't play particularly well. It's very comparable in a lot of cases, honestly, to how Mason Cole played. It was a lot of chaos going around him, not a lot of help on that offensive line. Cardinals weren't quite settled that next year, so they brought in um, – Eric Winston to play right tackle for an entire year. You basically took a guy who was a fourth round pick, uh, you know, similar to Mason Cole, some close in that round rage sat for an entire year. And then for the next three years, Bobby Massey went on and started for the Arizona Cardinals in 2014, 2015, uh, even up through, I believe he ended up leaving the team after the uh, 2016 season, went over to the Chicago bears, carved out a nice neutral. So if that's the case with Mason Cole, then, I'm not going to be too concerned overall about this camp, especially if A.Q. Shipley, considering he's a motivated guy, he's a workhorse, um, he's got a lot of great camaraderie with the team. I even actually um, posted about it on Twitter when Marcus Gilbert commented, and he mentioned, you know, the uh, kind of the Shipley is one of the guys, didn't mention Mason Cole, and so when he heard back or saw my tweet, at least he responded, was like, hey, I think Mason's a great guy, he's going to do great things. Didn't have as much time, but he wanted to affirm, be like, "Hey, this this isn't me putting down Mason Cole. Let's let's let that be. Let's let that be the. Uh, let's let that not be the case here, and let that not be the narrative." So I appreciated that, and it's good clarity to have. So that's where I feel that the offensive line is. You're right. It's going to be very curious to see not just what the impact of the players the Cardinals have if there are going to be signings, but. If we want to take a look at last year with their offensive line play, was it the result of poor line play like from the coaching standpoint? Where We've talked, I know, John, about how Russ Graham, he was a longtime coach with the Cardinals, just was not really up to par. We saw good coaching under Harold Goodwin when he took over. Last year just was not the same. And so if the Cardinals really do have a solid offensive line coach in um, Sean Kugler coming over from the Denver Broncos, you got to see Philip Lindsay essentially as a running back uh, be a pro bowler as a rookie for the most part. If that's the case and the Cardinals can be able to reform their pass blocking um, to combine that with, you know, Kyler Murray's athleticism, if they can take a big enough step forward where maybe the line's not as in dire straits, that'll be something to watch. But I know for me, my biggest uh, eyes will be on DJ Humphreys at that left knee. I believe it's his right knee. Just to see how that looks in camp. Are we going to see him like, you know, take breaks? And when we get into the preseason, is it going to be like last year where, he missed a few preseason games before coming in. That's going to be what I'm looking for. All right, let's go on and talk. Uh, continue to talk about the offense. Uh, biggest battle I think that I'm looking for right now uh, that we can at least highlight is the wide receivers. Cardinals drafted three this year. Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson. But none of those guys are really taking a lot of snaps with the team right now. Uh, one of the takeaways that – uh, Darren Urban talked about was that, you know, there's it's not like it's a lock that that's going to be your starting trio after Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Uh, Kevin White, at least, is coming in kind of on that one-year deal, see if you can rehab his image. There's 
wide receivers who've done it before have been able to come in, kind of get right, and then move on. Uh, I think Sammy Watkins is one of the easiest I can think of. Kind of had that one year uh, with the Rams and took over with the Chiefs, got signed to a multi-year deal there. Uh, Demir Bird is another player who uses uh, a speedster. He was a rookie last year for the Panthers. Runs a 4-3 speed. I believe he was also in the running for that fastest man in the NFL competition. There was uh, some rumors that Buda Baker was potentially going to participate. He seemed to back out. <laughs> he knows kind of that he's uh, wants to make sure he can avoid injuries. It seems like he's in a much more uh, kind of keen, integral role. Also, Farrell Cooper, who, as we said, you know, he's been a, a, a Pro Bowl special teamer, a punt returner, and he got the only other guy outside of Christian Kirk who flashed last year. Um, that'd be Trent Sherfield. So Sherfield and Bird seem to have been kind of getting the role ahead of it. The one guy who we know seems to be carving out a niche for himself is Andy Isabella, whether he's outside or in the slot, uh, which with Cliff Kingsbury will be on the inside, it remains to be seen. But John, do you think that this is a case where the Cardinals are going to be, you know, drafting these guys and it's going to be a lot of hype that doesn't lead up to much? Or do you think that this is more of the veteran advantage that we have before heading into training camp before the pads are even thrown on what, what are some of your thoughts about where we're at the wide receiver because right now the position is jam-packed even with the possibility that seven of them make the team this year yeah it's it's a loaded group of guys who we're all excited about in in one way shape or form it is the old position group that you have to kind of temper your expectations especially for the rookies because it's one of the most it's it's one one of the most difficult to positions to come in and not necessarily contribute, but play at a high level right away. You know, we've seen certain players come in and net a thousand yards as a rookie, but that's a rarity now in the NFL. Um, and offenses have never been more pass happy, but even guys like Calvin Ridley last year, who was, was expected by many to be the top receiver in the draft. I mean, he was very kind of hit or miss in an Atlanta offense that, like to throw the football. And so with the Cardinals, who I think are going to throw the football more than most in, in, in the NFL, they're certainly going to be in the shotgun more than most. Um, you know, it's, it's a group that's going to give them a lot of situational opportunities. But at the same time, you know, these rookies are, are definitely going to have to fight for playing time. You mentioned Isabella. He's carving out his, his niche role. Um, Hakeem Butler is somebody that he's got to refine his technique a little bit got to come out of his breaks a little bit better certainly has to work on his um, pass catching ability especially in traffic so I mean it sounds cliche to say but but certain guys are going to have to earn it and I mean you talk about a guy like Keyshawn Johnson coming out of the sixth round I mean he, I, I like him I hope he makes the team but he's he's no given to make the team anytime you're a late day three pick you know it's it's very much a toss so I think the only sure things we know Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald are going to start in some way, right? There's, we're going to see generally four receivers on the field at once outside of maybe a, a goal line package or if you're running heavy on first down with multiple tight ends, although we have no idea really what this offense is going to look like, which is kind of fun. But at the same time, let's say traditionally we're going to see four wideouts. Kirk and Fitzgerald are going to be two of those four. And then it's going to be a combination of Isabella and Butler Kevin White, to me, I think is – I think of, of all the receivers we've discussed, I think if we're going to keep seven, I think he's number seven. But I think he'd be the first guy to cut because, honestly, I, I don't see him playing special teams. He's not a return specialist. Like, the Cardinals claimed Farrell Cooper, Cooper last year, and I believe he can make an impact this year like he's done for, for the Rams in, in years prior. He's an all-pro returner. The Cardinals have struggled mightily – those of you who follow the team, this isn't news to you, but they, they are, they have been looking for, I, even before the Bruce Arian years for somebody who can be a consistent factor in the return game. TJ Logan looked like he was going to be that individual two years ago before hurting himself in the preseason game. I don't underestimate Farrell Cooper's ability to make this team and make an impact. I think a couple, you know, nice returns in the preseason are all going to lock up his spot. So don't for, I, too many fans, I think, are, are forgetting about the fact that the Cardinals claimed him and his salary. Um, and so I think he's a given. I think Fitzgerald and Kirk are obviously a given. Um, Isabella and Butler, because of their draft status, those two are a given. So there, there's five right there. Um, let, me, let me see. Fitzgerald, Kirk, Isabella, Butler, Cooper. That's five. Um, yeah, I, I think that probably Keyshawn I you know we just got to wait and see there's there's that next group of guys um who's the individual that was undrafted last year 
uh, Blake, that name's escaping me, that, that played Trent Sherfield. Trent Sherfield's a guy who, who is going to be a factor year two in the NFL. He's developed probably a little bit more than some of these younger guys. He's been in the program. Now, granted, this is a new coaching staff. Basically, you know, outside of those, those four or five wide receivers who are going to be in the rotation, if you're the sixth or seventh wide receiver on the roster, you've got to be busting your butt on special teams. And who's going to make the most impact? Who's going to have the tackles in practice? Who's going to stand out? Who's going to be the gunner on, on, you know, on, on special teams? And so that, to me, I think is the question we should be asking, and I don't really think it matters who the sixth and seventh receiver are. That's just my opinion because those guys aren't going to play. The, there's going to be generally there's going to be rotation of about four or five receivers. The last two, if they keep seven, are going to play primarily special teams. One of those two, I don't see Farrell Cooper playing much on offense, if at all. And so you figure, you know, the the, the three draftees potentially Christian Kirk, Fitzgerald, Sherfield, I, I think is is going to make the team. So really, it's going to come down to a guy like Kevin White and you know a couple other undrafted guys. So to me, I, I think it's. In my opinion, I think it's much to do about nothing. If you're wrapped up in, in Kevin White, and, you know, I saw an article on ESPN that, you know, he had a, a great spring. I mean, that's never – that's not Kevin White's M.O. It's when the pads come on, can he stay healthy? Is he consistent on the field? He hasn't been able to showcase anything like that. And he's going to be asked to play special teams. Can he do any of that? He doesn't return kicks. So, you know, I'm excited about the ability that David Johnson's going to have now – in the passing game that was all but lost last year. It was stolen from us by Mike McCoy and, to a lesser extent, Steve Wilkes. Larry Fitzgerald, where is he going to be playing? Can the rookies make an impact? I think Christian Kirk is the safest bet for breakout player of the year on the Cardinals. He's looked phenomenal by all accounts. The coaching staff is raving about him. Kingsbury's raving about him. I think you can take it to the bank, Blake. I think he's going to go for 1,200. I think he could reach double-digit touchdowns. So I'm excited about this group um, just, just on the fact that I think we're going to see a lot of guys, you know, take the next step like Christian Kirk. And even with David Johnson, I think David Johnson has an outside chance to get 800 yards receiving. So, you know, it's, it's a group that I'm excited about, but I would temper your expectation with, expectations with, a little bit with the rookies. Yeah, especially considering the fact that uh, when you come into the NFL as a rookie, it's very difficult to be able to put up the big stats when you're talking about, like you mentioned a thousand yards, uh, just to take a look at the rookies and what they performed with last year. Uh, your top overall receiver, as far as number of receptions, was a running back in Saquon Barkley. Uh, he had about 64 catchers from Calvin Ridley. He didn't even hit 1,000 yards. Uh, he had 821. Christian Kirk, for a while, honestly, he was actually leading uh, a lot of the rookies, and I believe it was either catches or yards. It may have been both. Uh, part of that was due to volume. There was just no one else really on that Cardinals team, and he missed the last four games of the season and still ended up top five overall in receptions for rookies, which that's what's pretty incredible. Is he also ended up with more yards than Antonio Callaway, uh, the Browns uh, had a really fun rookie. So Kirk ended up being a top five receiver overall last year. He probably would have been top three across most of the categories had he played all of the games. Uh, I'm curious if Kyler spreads the ball around or if it's going to be much more of the uh, area where your offense does flow through Fitz, Kirk, and David Johnson again. It'll be very interesting to see how Cliff Kingsbury treats that. Uh, wrapping up with some of the offense, I know we've, we've talked a bit on tight end. We'll have to see more of that in camp. I know that the perception a lot of people have is that the Cardinals are probably going to run a little bit more 11 personnel. In some cases, it makes sense just from a special team standpoint. Um, you want to make sure that you've got guys who are big enough and blockers, and you don't want it to be where uh, if your offense breaks down, if you know, you've got a guy like, let's say, Farrow Cooper – a special teams only. Speaking of which, uh, Andy Isabella, he's apparently been returning punts so far, so maybe you can kind of kill two birds with one stone if he's successful there, and that could help your wide receiver spot out a little bit, so it'll be interesting to see how they sort that. Um, but the one area I'd like to talk about, at least, is the running backs, because right now it seems like the Cardinals are probably going to keep four backs. You know, we've talked about David Johnson. You just mentioned it right now. They drafted Chase Edmonds last year, who they like he can catch out of the backfield. They also brought back DJ Foster, who does a lot of the same things that you would expect probably in some of an air raid as far as being a receiver, out of, both out of the backfield and as a wide receiver. 
Uh, TJ Logan seems to be a guy who's got that speed, maybe the kick returner. Those four have seemed to be the set, but I'm questioning, John, if we're not looking a little deeper and wondering if there's two other or one or two other dark horses who could make it. Uh, you look at Wes Hills, uh, the six foot, 218 pound rookie running back. He came from Slippery Rock, a small school guy. Another small school guy in Xavier Turner out of Tarleton State, 226 pounds of 5'10". Those are like bowling ball type players. They're smaller on the side, but they can really run you over. The Cardinals do not have another back that's over 200 pounds or so outside of David Johnson, who we all know is that 6'1", 224-pound beast. So if that's the case, if the Cardinals are in a goal line situation, does this become a spot where – they keep the best four guys. I don't know if you'll add a fifth. Uh, they, I know in the past would sometimes keep a guy who is a fullback. Seems more likely they won't need one this year. Or is this a spot, John, where the Cardinals, when you're taking a look at some of the needs, maybe one of the guys like a TJ Logan gets you know bumped from the roster if you can see a guy like a Xavier Turner. Maybe this is a spot where DJ Foster coming off of injury ends up you know not being as much of that functional or a big uh, bruising back. What are your thoughts? Do you think that this is – kind of a lock for the Cardinals four running backs, or could someone steal the spot? Honestly, Blake, I think it's a moot point at, at this stage. I think I think the only number that matters is $9.750 million. That's what they're paying David Johnson this year. <laughs> I think based off of what we saw last year with the just the horrific offensive scheme that was surrounded Josh Rosen and David Johnson, the, the inability to get creative and use him in space, And the fact that David Johnson took almost as much of a beating as Josh Rosen did, and he played, I believe, all 16 games. I think he won a lot of respect from from folks in the Valley and outside the Valley just because, you know, he had the injury the year before. He came back. He was still the 10th overall fantasy back last year, even though he had, you know, a a sub four yards per carry, uh, had double-digit touchdowns. I think David Johnson really is going to play roughly 75 to 80% of the time, and I think the the Cardinals are going to keep four backs. I think the primary backup is going to be Chase Edmonds. I think that he separated himself last year with his ability not only to run between the tackles, but his physicality and his ability to catch the football. I, I go back to the Packer game where he really kind of took over that second half. That was a cold, rainy, windy, snowy day. And uh, he showed a lot of toughness to be able to help the Cardinals to that victory. And so, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think those last two back spots – are interchangeable. I think DJ Foster is probably the guy right now, the third running back. But again, how many backs are you going to address on game day? We're not talking about one of these backs returning kicks or punts. We just mentioned Isabel and Farrah Cooper are your likely returners. If, if Isabel's returning punts and Cooper's returning kicks, you know, that, that doesn't leave a lot of room for a running back to, to stay on this roster. Again, we talk about special teams. Who stands out on special teams does TJ Logan separate himself? Can he come back to form a little bit? I'd still like to see him make the team because I think he gives them an explosiveness, a little bit of an Ellington uh, effect in the passing game. Well, outside of that, you know, the Cardinals could utilize some of these bigger backs on their goal line packages. But what, based on what I saw from Chase Edmonds last year, you know, I think he's got a sneaky ability to, to kind of hide in between the tackle and, and be able to, you know, get those tough yards, so to speak. So I think that. We're going to see a huge year from David Johnson. I think most Cardinal fans expect that. And I think that the rest of the, the, the Cardinal running back core is going to be kind of forgettable, kind of like what we saw in 2016. A lot of people are, are predicting the return to form from DJ. I certainly think that with the amount of, the amount of explosive plays we're going to see out of this offense, um, I think we're going to see a lot of single back. I think we could see a lot of no back, so to speak, in empty backfields, five wide receivers. Um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of two back. I think if we do, it's going to be a, maybe a hybrid tight end in that scenario, somebody that an extra blocker. Um, and so next year, if David doesn't do what we all think he's going to do, I think they could address maybe a split backfield tandem. But I, I by all accounts, what, David looks phenomenal. You've seen the photos. You've seen the clips from practice. He, he is poised outside injury for a monster year, and I think that they knew that. They didn't address the running back position at all in the draft. And if, if they were going to uh, come to grips with a mindset of split backfield, maybe 70-30, especially when you have a new coach like Kingsbury, and we saw the amount of influence he had, especially offensively in this draft. Talk about Kyler Murray at nauseam, his relationships with Isabel and Hakeem Butler. 
if he liked the back on day three with the amount of picks that they had, they would have let him pull the trigger on somebody. And I, I think that's just a bigger sign of respect and, um, you know, admiration for David Johnson and what Kingsbury knows he could accomplish this year in 2019. Yeah, I would agree that if Cliff had liked a back, they'd have gone in a, the kind of playing a little bit of devil's advocate there. I think that those four backs seem set. And part of it's because you've got one more rushing threat, and that's going to be Kyler Murray and his legs. So if you're talking about wanting to get another back on the goal line for a big bruiser, it's not like you got Josh Rosen having to hand it off to a guy under center. You may be able to you know, drop a play to be able to run Murray on the edge, up the middle. Like, there's plenty of things that are there. And that was the biggest takeaway, obviously, that Urban and most everyone who's seen the Cardinals practice has had is that Murray's a dynamic player overall. Like, the three describing terms that we use was electric, powerful, and accurate. And usually when you see those three together, that's pretty special. You can see guys who are electric and powerful, just they're not accurate. You can see guys who are powerful and accurate, but as far as being able to throw from some of the multiple platforms like we've seen. We saw, you know, as Josh Rosen, he struggled with some of that on the move last year. Sometimes he did bail it out. Sometimes he didn't. Um, that's kind of that electric playmaking. And then as far as for power, you know, if you're not going to have a can we just Can we make a prediction right now that, that Murray's going to be the second leading rusher on the team? Can we just say I, that now? I think that's probably not even a – I don't. I think that's more of a given. If we want to say, like, my, the big question right. you kind of as far as – that I have is uh, my guess is that Murray's going to have a higher yards per attempt, maybe even yards per carry than David Johnson, which is, you know, that's going to be what you're talking about with the Panthers. And it makes sense given the type of offense that Kingsbury is going to run and the type of athlete Murray is where he'll be able to have an RPO pull it and be able to run or just the fact that he can scramble and no one's covering downfield. He may end up getting, you know, 30 yards before a guy is able to get close. So that's the biggest thing that overall you can take away. Now, again, there's, there's no pads, not even a bit of pass rush yet. Teams haven't even begun to game plan for him. The Cardinals, at least overall, still love Murray. I, we've talked about this, at least, John. is It's going to be something that will be fun to watch. Um, obviously, we'll talk a bit, I think, in the next episode about the impact that we've seen in the NFL on not just a rookie quarterback, but what a good rookie quarterback can do. Um, but I wanted to kind of finish off before we got to our big announcement just with there's a comment that you left earlier today. I think that was interesting. I want to spend like about a minute or two on it where – you talked last year about Josh Rosen and Christian Kirk. The connection was something we expected for years to come. Turns out it wasn't the case. It is, you know, the NFL, the not for long league. The thing that you said was you said the O-line and the coaching wasn't there in 2018, but if they had both Rosen might still be there. And to that case, I do kind of agree with you that if the Cardinals had a few more wins in that sense, where they didn't have the number one overall pick, Maybe some alternate universe, you know, the, you see the Oakland Raiders end up making a move up. Maybe if the Cardinals actually hold on in their defense in that last couple of seconds, it ends up being kind of a different area. We know Cliff was probably content to keep Josh Rosen if it came down to it. So do you think that Josh Rosen overall might still be there as far as if the Cardinals have, you know, is, it, is the O-line effect part of it with Tyler Murray? Is it the fact that Cliff Kingsbury wanted him, that's part of why he's on this team and he wouldn't be. Or is this kind of a case where maybe there is just something special about that kid enough that no matter what they saw, that if the Cardinals had the number one pick, even if kept the steam staff, maybe Kyler Murray would still be an Arizona Cardinal, even at that sense. But what are some of your thoughts on that as we kind of wrap up this episode of our podcast? Yeah, I think it's. I think it was the perfect storm. I think you hit it on the head. I think if let's say the Cardinals hadn't fired Steve Wilkes, but you know he had to scrap his entire offensive coaching staff, who would they have gotten to to run their offense that would have been the kind of innovator that Cliff Kingsbury was? They probably would have gotten some kind of retread. Um, I, I don't know who they would have gotten to to run their offense. They couldn't have brought in our guy from Minnesota. What what's his name, Blake? Um, Oh, it's, it's the name's escaping me. He's running Jacksonville's offense now. Yeah, um, but talking about Di Filippo. Di Filippo. Yeah, Di Filippo, who we love. But they couldn't have brought him in because of the fact he got fired midseason like Mike McCoy did. So that, that wouldn't have worked. So they would have brought in a retread. 99% of the time, whomever they would bring in, it would have a conventional style, conventional thought process. They would have gone with, with Rosen, 100%. No doubt about it. They would have kept Steve Wilkes. Secondly, if they wouldn't have gotten Cliff Kingsbury and they would have gotten, let's say, Adam Gase, knowing what we know now, Adam Gase, in my opinion, would not have wanted Kyler Murray. I think that's, I think that's a given, and I think the only reason Steve Kimes started watching that film was the inf a little bit of the influence from Kingsbury during their conversations, and the, you know, it's his due diligence as a GM, 
And then you hit the nail on the head, Blake. Had they won, let's say, two or three more games, I'm going to lay, lay some scenarios out for you to wrap this up. The Oakland Raiders, if they had been picking number one, 100% chance they would have taken Kyler Murray. John Middlecoff, Guy Haberman, everybody that you who are connected to the Bay Area said that the Cardinals would have passed, the Raiders would have taken Kyler Murray, so it's, it would have been a done deal. Easy. I think if, if the San Francisco 49ers had had the number one pick, even with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they would have explored Kyler Murray. I think there was a 50-50 chance they would have taken him. Just with the injury history with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, I think they're, again, coin flip chance that they would have taken Kyler Murray. Um, and then, obviously, the New York Jets have Sam Donald, so they wouldn't have been in the running. But if the Cardinals had been anywhere pick number one, it would have kept Josh Rosen. They would have gone with either Nick Bosa or Quentin Williams. They would have gone, I think, heavy on the offensive line in free agency and in the, the second or third round to protect him. I think they would have run a more pass-heavy offense with, with, with Rosen in the sense to get the ball out quickly, some, something that with less you know seven-step drops that we saw last year. I, it was the absolute perfect storm. That's why I did not see it coming. That's why it hit most of us in the face when it happened. But it's here now. We're, we have to accept it. We're, we're moving forward. But, yeah, it's, it is unfortunate because the, the comment was, you know, the, the chemistry between Rosen and Kirk was obviously there. Then Kirk gets hurt. And Rosen got worse as the season went on. That's, that's not arguable. But, you know, the deep pass against San Francisco, the, you know, the game winner uh, against San Francisco at home, you, they, you could tell that they had a rapport. P- part of the reason was because Kirk was their best offensive weapon last year. So yeah. it's unfortunate. We, ris- we wish Rosen well, but I think Kirk's got a potential stardom moving forward. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, it's interesting with the Cardinals, like you said, perfect storm, perhaps if there was different coaching. I think that the name that seemed to strike if they had kept Wilkes would have probably ended up being Jim Caldwell, which ironically, he's probably on the he's on the staff right now with the Miami Dolphins with Josh Rosen. And, and he's probably going to be very good for him when you look at how he developed and helped with Matt Stafford. He was a part of the turnaround season with Joe Flacco in which he won a Super Bowl. So it would have been probably a good hire, uh, maybe even if you would let him, if Steve Wilkes go and still brought him in as the head coach, say that something happened with Kingsbury or it wasn't in the cards for some reason. Uh, that would have been fascinating to see, at least. I think it would have probably brought stability to the franchise, brought more of like, you know, your nine and seven. But you have seen with Jim Caldwell, he just hasn't been able to kind of get over that hump. He's, in some cases, the nine and seven, as Jeff Fisher is to a seven and nine. Um, for me, I'm a little bit uh, curious. I'm curious if in Cliff Kingsbury's meetings, if, you know, he brought up with Josh Rosen with the Cardinals and was like, hey, you know, like, um, speaking of quarterbacks, like I broke down Josh Rosen for you here. I really like this guy, Kyler. And even from maybe the very start, if that was something that was, you know, introduced, like, oh, no, no, don't don't worry about all of that. Uh, we'll never really know officially, but there is at least some type of a case where he impressed enough, at least with the Cardinals, that by, you know, the combine most everyone knew. So, We'll see. Those are the two quarterbacks, obviously, we'll be watching it. So far, it seems like he's behind Ryan Fitzpatrick in, uh, through OTAs and minicamp. Obviously, training camp will be where that takes place. So as we wrap up for everything tonight, John, uh, why don't we get to that special announcement that we kind of teased at the beginning of the broadcast. Very exciting for all your Avenger the Birds podcast listeners. Uh, John, why don't you take it away with what you'll be doing in the upcoming year? Yeah, I'm going to start writing and contributing to the Revenge of the Birds, not Revenge of the Birds, but SBNation.com Revenge of the Birds, I mm-hmm. should say. I want to, get the, want to get the full name in there. I'm going to start contributing <laughs> uh, from a written standpoint uh, starting this season. Join my uh, fellow colleagues uh, utilizing the written word. I've enjoyed immensely doing this podcast with Blake um, and will continue to do it, but I uh, want to be able to provide weekly content in written form um, background, I have a, a journalism degree, broadcasting specifically, but did a lot of print journalism as well. Worked for, if you remember the ill-fated uh, ESPNChicago.com, when ESPN started to run a bunch of separate websites to like ESPN Dallas, LA, and then print journalism has gone a little bit by the wayside in the sense that it's tougher to compete now. And we, Blake and I get that sense and we're trying to evolve with, with podcasting, but SB Nation Revenge of the Birds is, is a phenomenal site. I'm very fortunate for the opportunity. I uh, love the interaction that it's given me with uh, the Cardinal fandom, especially the people who consistently support and listen to us on this podcast. And so to be able to take, um, you know, the information and the experience that I have and be able to put it out there for you guys to have another form of that, um, I feel very fortunate to be able to do that. I hope that you will 
continue to read the site because I think it's the top source for Cardinal news online right now. I think the, the folks that Blake and, and the other writers, Walter and Seth, they put out tremendous content. I feel uh, very lucky to be able to join this group of individuals and, and look forward to covering the team on both the podcasting standpoint and a written standpoint for many years to come. So uh, thank you, Blake. I appreciate it. And um, go Cardinals. Oh yeah. Well, big thanks and heads up to our uh, site manager, Seth Cox, who obviously goes through like he writes uh, so many articles. I can't even fathom at least the, uh, the amount of time and effort that he, Walter, and like other people you mentioned, at least, uh, you know, John Buckley, Andy Kwong, so many people who pour in a lot of time and effort. I'm ecstatic to have someone who obviously has more journalism experience than me and John to be able to come on board. At least I did have journalism classes. I did take in college and up going a different route for my uh, degree, but uh, very excited to have John on. Um, that'll wrap it up for us in our podcast. So you can look forward to uh, seeing the new uh, John Venerable uh, Revenge of the Birds article dropping at least in uh, a little bit. Just keep on, keep it on the lookout for when it's going to come down the pipeline. Uh, it'll be awesome. So our podcast listeners obviously are going to be the first to know, which is exciting. Um, for those of you who do love and support us, thanks so much. Um, do recommend us, obviously, if you have other Cardinals fans that you know of. Um, we've got some overseas people have reached out. I know we had from Germany, from Britain. Uh, always exciting to be able to have not just the Bird Gang out locally where I am, but all around the globe. Thank you for guys for listening. That's so awesome that you guys listen and you're not. I mean, we love all the listeners that participate, but just to think that folks are listening overseas, different time zones, different different continents, that's that's wild. And Blake and I never thought that, that would happen when we started this podcast. So we, we appreciate the amount of um, love and, and hits that you guys continue to give us. And uh, we're going to do this as long as we can. So we appreciate it. Yeah, Bird Gang Overseas represent. Thank you guys again for listening. Uh, again, if you are looking to uh, download the podcast, whether it's uh, you're an iTunes listener, whether you're a Google Podcast listener, uh, whether you're on Spotify, uh, whether you're on any of the other new apps that we have like Stitcher, or if you listen to us on revengeofthebirds.com, uh, we've got our new kind of setup that we have for the site. If you do end up checking it out, uh, we're actually now kind of pinned onto the front page. So we've got a new little spot for our audio and our podcast. So if you're looking for latest episode, want to listen, you can just go ahead and log in. You've got all of our last couple of podcast episodes are right there on the front page for you. You'll always be able to find it there. Just awesome. Won't have to do any more hunting and pecking at least. Uh, we've got obviously our whole backlog of content as well as going to be on revengeofthebirds.com. Thanks again for tuning in, folks. Um, we're going to check out here for that one. Um, go Cardinals, and you folks have a wonderful rest of your week.